Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Well, let's go to the Word of God together, turn to someone near you and say, I believe I will be blessed. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say, you need this. Even if you don't think you do, you certainly do. We started this new series called Extravagant Grace and Overwhelming Favour. Uh, I believe it's a word from the Lord. That's not just a random thought that comes to me or uh, it's something that I discuss with the team and pray over usually for quite a period of time. And uh, so it's not just some kind of like a marketing uh, thing, you know, or a nice thing to talk about, but rather I believe that it's something God wants us to focus on. And I also realise that sometimes God will speak something that appears to be the opposite of what the world looks like at the time He says it. He says, I'm going to bless, I'm going to do incredible things, I'm going to bring you a Messiah when they were under Roman rule. And He began to speak about it. John the Baptist turned up the most unlikely looking man, dressed in camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey, coming out of the wilderness and said, I've come to prepare the way for the one who is to come. And the one who was to come was a carpenter's son, according to them, out of a town that was quite despised. And yet God spoke in that period, light and redemption and an overwhelming grace over the whole of the world in an incredible moment of time. So I know that right now, regardless of what your world looks like, the Word of the Lord to you is extravagant grace and overwhelming favour. And God wants us to get a hold of this and to have it inside of our heart. I pray that this will not be just a sermon series or a message that kind of lodges in your brain for a half an hour one Sunday morning, but it's something that you will allow to grow inside of you and to flourish and to produce the kind of fruit that it's meant to bring to your life. Now, last Sunday, I spoke about the expectations of the Father that He's been expecting you and He's been planning for you for a long time. The father, when the prodigal son left, he began fattening the calf for the return of his wayward son. You are no surprise to God. He knew who you were. He knows where you are. Nobody's outside of His reach. Nobody's beyond the, the reach of His grace. God can touch you. And that's a great thing to comfort every parent, grandparent, spouse here today. If you've got loved ones that feel like they are running completely the opposite direction to God at a hundred miles an hour, there's no one. You can be a prodigal in a pig pen in a foreign country, a long way from home and no way to communicate. But somehow or other, the grace of God reaches to that person right where they are. Can you say amen for your loved ones this morning? God reached those people, touched them, those sons and daughters, those parents, those spouses in Jesus' Name. So we spoke about the great grace of the Father to a boy that was smelling of the pigs and he saved his garment and he saved the ring and he saved his shoes and he gave him the kiss, the very first thing, the restoration of relationship and the calf that he'd been fattening every single day waiting for the boy to come home. What a beautiful story of the grace of God. 
But I also want to point you today to the expectations that we have because there were two sons, both of them, the prodigal who ran away, the eldest son who stayed at home, but lived under a sense of trying to earn his father's love. Both of them had expectations. The prodigal came home expecting to be made the lowest of the low servants. The eldest son refused to come into the party saying, you know what, I've worked all this time for you. You never gave me anything. And yet the father's response underlines something we all need to know about the grace of God. And that is God's grace is freely given, but unless you and I receive it, it has no effect and no power in our life. The eldest son was deeply loved. The eldest son, everything the father had was available to him. But you know, he'd never once ever accessed it because his expectation was that to get to that point of blessing and favour, he had a long journey of earning it. Think about it a minute. How many believers do you know that are still trying to earn the blessing, the grace and the favour of God in their life. Their expectations were incredibly powerful. Read the story in Luke 15. Their expectations formed their behaviour. The son who stays in a pig pen won't come home until it's absolutely the last option available. And as I said last week, I wonder if he'd known the welcome that awaited him, how much sooner he might have come home. There'd be many of you here listening to me this morning for whom if you had known what salvation could have meant to you, if you had realised that this was not religion, but it was in our relationship with Almighty God, how many of you would have come quicker and said yes to Jesus a lot faster, but your whole brain, your expectation was I'm coming to church. It's about rules. It's about regulation. Uh, it's all hypocrisy. Uh, they're only after your money. A whole lot of other stuff that filled your mind and your expectation was very, very low. And consequently, you missed out. Their expectations formed their behaviour and also formed their language. The things that they said, Father, make me one of your hired servants. Lord, uh, Father, I have been labouring for you all these years. You've never given me anything. Can I say to you today that the conversation that you have, the language that you use, identifies your expectations. We'll know, you'll know what it is that you're expecting in life. Oh, well, life wasn't meant to be easy. Twice in the book of Proverbs, that great book of wisdom, we are told about the power of our expectations. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 18 says, For surely there is a latter end, a future and a reward. And your hope and expectation shall not be cut off. God says to you, there is a reward, but are you hoping for it? Is that your expectation? Or is your expectation of miserable, lonely uh, ends of some kind of future that has no joy in it at all? God says your expectation is driving the direction and the destination at which you end. The very next chapter of Proverbs 24 and verse 14 says, So shall you know skillful and godly wisdom to be thus to your life, 
If you find it, then there shall be a future and a reward. Listen to it. He says there's a godly wisdom that if you follow it, leads you to a future that's got reward in it and your hope and expectation will not be cut off. I wonder how many people are going to go to heaven, discover the heavenly warehouse that's absolutely full of things that they never asked for, but they could have had. Of miracles that may have come their way, but they thought God's too busy. My need is not that great. After all, He's got far bigger things to deal with than that. And you and I are in the place right now where if we have skillful and godly wisdom in our life, the Bible says there's a future and a reward and an expectation in our life of things that won't be cut off. So here's some things I want you to grab today about your expectations. I've spoken about the Father's expectations. I've spoken about the kind of things that He's got planned. But what I want you to know about is the role your expectations play. I want you to think with me today. And, and I feel like the Holy Spirit for about the last month or so, because I journal these things and write them down and then I type them up and I'm up to page, I don't know, about 90 something typed at the moment over the last couple of years of this pandemic. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit has been challenging me on over the last month or so is what really are my expectations? It's easy to come into a church or it's easy to get into the place of prayer and to pray one thing, but then get out of that place and, and your conversation reveals something entirely different. What really, I want you to think about it today. What am I expecting in my life? The two sons had an expectation that was far less than what God wanted to do, what the father had in store. Here's the first thing I need you to know is number one, our expectations draw us. Whatever it is that you see is drawing you. Some years ago, I was riding a bicycle along the footpath, the sidewalk, if you want. And I'm riding along on either side of this concrete strip. There was sand, as there is so much of here in Western Australia. And I'm riding along and I'm thinking to myself, Whatever you do, don't go off into the sand because you'll stop and that could end up with you falling off the bike. Well, I'm thinking to myself as I ride along, whatever you do, don't go into the sand. Whatever you do, stay on the path. Whatever you do, don't go off track. Well, you know, obviously, what happened, don't you? Is that I ended up going exactly where I said I didn't want to go. Why? Because I made my focus not the path, but the sand. I made my focus that thing around about me that was drawing me whether I knew it or not. Genesis chapter 13 verse 10 says, Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was watered everywhere well before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. If you want the context of the story, Abraham and his nephew Lot, they got prosperous. And Abraham says, look, why don't you choose where you want to go? Abraham said, I'll let you have first choice. And Lot looked down and he saw this plain. He said, that's the prime land. 
Now, he did not honor his uncle that had led him thus far. He said, you know what? It's every man for himself. And self led him to what looked the best. And so he says, that's obviously where I want to go. Let me take you to the very uh, two verses later. Verse 12, Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. In other words, this man sees it. The next verse, he's moved toward it. And not only has he moved toward it, but the first thing he sees every morning when he gets up, as he walks out of his tent, the first thing that greets him is Sodom. He starts looking at that thing. Remember, if you focus on the sand, that's where you end up. Well, let's have a look at Genesis 14, verse 12, just one chapter later. It says, they, this is the, the kings that had raided the place. They also took Lot, Abraham's, or Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom. The man looks at it. He pitches his tent toward it. And the very next thing, he's living in the place that God's about to destroy. Think about it a minute with me. The first thing he saw every morning eventually drew him further. Your expectations are incredibly powerful. If you're a parent here, oh, raising kids is so hard. You know, you have, you know, there's so many temptations and it's all so terrible. And there's the terrible twos and then there's those horrible teenage years and all the other things. If you build your expectations like that, don't be surprised if that's what you end up with. My Bible tells me that my children will grow up like olive plants around about my table. Bearers of the Holy Spirit to me. Amen. My Bible says that the children of the righteous are mighty in the earth and their children's children. And so put, what are you putting in front of you about your family? If you're married here, well, you know, there's the marriage is like a midnight phone call. You get a ring and then you wake up. So many people I know, their expectations of God are incredibly low for their life. They expect life to be a struggle. Now, I'm not saying life never is a struggle. But, you know, when I read the story of Joseph, I discover that no matter what place he was in, his expectations were very different to his circumstance. When he's in prison, he's expecting to get out. What are your expectations like for your world and for what's happening around about you. Here's number two. The second thing we need to know about our expectations is that they open or close our eyes to opportunity. Matthew 25, it's the parable of the talents. This has got to be one of the strangest verses in the whole of the Bible. Then he who had received the one talent one talent, by the way, is about $340,000 worth. So we're not talking about a tiny piece here. We're talking about something large. He had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Think about that a minute. How many of you here have had a boss who gave you $340,000 and said, go play with that? Just do whatever you like. I'll come back and ask you how you got on. You get total choice over how you invest it, about what you do with it. 
But this man, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't gathered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have, what's yours? His expectations were of pain. His expectations were of punishment. How many Christians who if, they, if something goes wrong, they go, God's punishing me. Really? God says He's a God of extravagant grace, overwhelming favour. Your expectations will certainly open and close your eyes to opportunity. Hebrews 11 verse 15 says, If they had been mindful, full in their mind of where they'd come from, they might have had opportunity to have returned. In other words, whatever you fill your mind with, you will open your eyes to those kind of opportunities. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Find what? You'll find whatever it is you're looking for. Amen. It's what psychologists call confirmation bias. In other words, you start finding proof of whatever it is you're looking for. If you believe life's hard, I guarantee every day you'll find proof of how hard it is. You didn't get that parking space. Someone cut you off in traffic and you will miss all the good things. When I work with people that are chronically depressed and have been for some time, when I've done that, I almost always do this with them so simply. I say every night before you go to bed, I want you to list up three things that you're grateful for and I want you to say what they are. And then I want you for the very next day, I want you to think of one thing you're looking forward to. One thing that you're anticipating that you're going to enjoy. Doesn't have to be huge. Doesn't have to be marvellous. Can be something small. Why? Because you've got into a habit of a negative expectation of life and you need to help change that. They go, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. My life really does suck. It really is bad. And I go, look, it, maybe it does. But I know this, that whatever you're mindful of, you'll find those opportunities. I know that whatever you're seeking, you will find. So how about we start changing not the finding part of the equation, but the seeking part of the equation. Jesus regularly challenged His disciples' expectations. He's got these fishermen that are uneducated and He starts saying to them, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. You and I have no idea in a world that so prized the uh, academic prowess and the debating skill of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the lawyers that were there. They lived every day in this bubble and that was the way they thought life was meant to be. And Jesus gets these guys who've got none of that background, none of that experience, none of that skill. And He says, you are world changers. Some of them were James and John. They got nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. They never got that because they used to spend their spare time crocheting doilies for, you know, old people. I imagine they got it because they were feisty guys who liked to fight. Think about it a minute. And yet Jesus came with an entirely, listen to me, He came with a different expectation of these people that He chose. What expectation do you have of your life? Well, if I can just get to heaven. Oh God, if I can just get there without killing somebody. 
God, if I can just get there. Lord, if I can just make it. God, if somehow or other I can just, just barely get there. Lord, how good that would be for my life. If I could just get there. And God's got a different expectation. He says the glory of the Lord's going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The Bible tells us something completely different about who we are. It says you are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And so Jesus regularly challenged the perceptions and the expectations of the disciples. He's in Samaria, a despised place, bottom of the pile. No one wanted to go there. And He said to them, lift up your eyes and look. I see harvest in places that you don't even want to be. Amen. John 10 verse 10, the thief comes not but for to kill, to steal and destroy. He says, but I've come that you might have life, that you might have life more abundantly, that you might get a life. Amen. Next time you tell someone get a life, what you're really saying is get Jesus. Try that this week. Get a life. Yeah, Jesus. Some people have become so occupied with all that's wrong in the world. I can remember in my lifetime when uh, the life expectancy for a male in Australia was in the early 60s. That's why they set the pension age so low because they didn't expect anyone to last beyond it. It's a fact. Now it's increased by almost 20 years in most of the developed countries around the world. Some diseases have been completely eradicated. Infant mortality rates in the world are 10 times less than they were 100 years ago. 10 times less. Violent crime fatalities are actually drastically lower than most people think they are. 200 years ago, 12% of all people, of all people, 12% of people around the world could read and write. That's 200 years ago. Right now, it's 86% of the entire planet can read and write. When you start hearing some of these things, you start going, why then do we live with such a, oh, you know, we're like chicken little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Now, I'm not here and pretending that everything's great or that there aren't problems. We just prayed for the Ukraine. Hello, I'm well aware of it. But I don't want my life to be captured by all the negative and by all that's going wrong and by all the problems and by all the things that are happening when there's so much vision and there's so much opportunity and where God is doing so much across the earth. Hayden was just telling us this morning in Mingle Time about one of the girls they met at O-Week. And this girl at O-Week used to go to church. And she said, I don't know why I've come to Perth to university. I don't know what drew, drew me here. And then began to speak about her youth pastor when she was a kid growing up who's on staff with Red Frogs, Madison. The next day, I think the story is, Madison walks into the very auditorium where this girl is present for one of the things that Red Frogs is putting on and sees Madison comes in. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like that, I, I don't want to just go, oh yeah, but look at all the bad. I got an email this week from some people there online. Last year, I went to pray in the hospital for this man who was told that medically, we don't know what's the matter with you. We don't know what the cause of the pain is and we don't know how to fix it. 
And I remember him and his wife saying, we thank God for online. We're online every week. Thank you to the Metro team for praying. They sent me an email this week saying that the doctors have said, you know, you look like you're cured. Come back in six months. We don't know what happened to you. Now, you can go. But some people go, yeah, but my loved one just died. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not saying negative things don't happen, the bad things and painful things don't occur in the earth, because they certainly do. I'm just saying, I don't get to choose all the circumstances, but I do get to choose my expectations in life. Amen. Our expectations draw us. Our expectations open and close our eyes to opportunity. Thirdly, we plan for what we expect. Our youngest daughter, Candace, and her husband, Matt, they told us just only a month or two ago, they're expecting a baby. Well, yeah, here we go again. And you know, since that time, all we get is pictures that are in profile. We hear about what they've just bought, the cot they bought, the, the car seat they bought, the whatever. We found out this week the gender of the child. I was wrong, <laughs> which the family really enjoyed. And uh, so... Rhonda now cannot walk past a baby shop. She can't walk past the baby section, the infant section of any of the stores. Every week she comes home with a little bit more and a bit more. And she goes, I, I thought that, you know, they might need this. And I'm going, you'll have to get a shipping container. <laughs> but see, they are planning for what they're expecting. And so's Rhonda. <laughs> Literally with the last one, we had a room, a room in the house where all of the stuff went for when Sloan arrived. They're planning for what they're expecting. Show me your plans and I'll tell you what you're expecting. Show me the plans that you're making. We all know what God's expecting. Ephesians chapter 5, we read it last week. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Can I tell you what God is doing in the earth? Is he preparing the bride? And I know sometimes around the world right now in this challenging season, there's been moments where it looks like, you know, the bride's nowhere near. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit's at work and the Holy Spirit's gathering people and bringing revelation into people's hearts. And I believe that there's a growing expectation in the hearts of God's people that great days lie ahead. What are you expecting? Expecting blessing? Are you expecting favour? Are you expecting increase? Great relationships? Abundance? Strength? Is that what you're expecting? On your seat today, every one of you got, could I have those please? Thank you, Leah. Every one of you got one of these lovely uh, Metro Church grace and favour pens. And uh, we wanted you to enjoy one if you're online with us. Uh, if you tell us you want one, I'm pretty sure we'll send you one. 
Just contact us, info at metrochurch.org.au. Give us your address, we'll send you one. On the back of this bookmark, these are my prayerful expectations. And I'd love you in a minute. The team are going to come and we're going to worship the Lord together. And I'm going to let you, you know, we're not collecting them. We're, no one's going to ask you what they are. But I'd love it if you would fill in there and write down, these are my expectations for 2022. I've already written my list, not on a bookmark, but I've been writing some for a while. And I can show you ones here where I go, this is what I'm expecting. This is what I expect. This is what I believe. This is what I declare. And I, usually, I do that often. Write these things on a piece of card and then carry them wherever I go and pull them out. Because I want to make sure that I don't lose sight of my expectations. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Let the words that I say and let what I'm thinking on, let that be something, God, that is acceptable, something that heaven would value. And so I encourage you to, it's just for you. In addition to that, because I said to the team, I think people are going to want to keep something, this extravagant grace and overwhelming favour in front of you. So we've had these done up. These are water bottles, Grace and Favour, Metro Church. Here's a journal, notebook, if you like, Grace and Favour, and a scripture there and a pen that goes with it. And uh, they're available for sale. Now, they're not a profit-making venture by this church. Uh, quite frankly, uh, they're pretty well cost price uh, and there's not so many of them. I've already bought five of these uh, to send a family that when I told them about said, oh, can I get one? So they'll probably go pretty quickly. They're out at the cafe today if you want them. They're not a fundraiser. They're not marketing. They're not merchandising. They're simply from my heart to yours saying, would you like to keep this in front of your eyes? Would you like grace and favour to go with you so when you go around drinking your water, Anyway, I'm not an infomercial. You can do whatever you like. But I hope you'll grab a hold of it. Team, please come. Heavenly Father, help us. So many of us, Lord, we've got great intentions that evaporate in the heat of pressure, contrary circumstances that disappear like an early morning mist does when things don't go the way we hope they'd go. God, I'm praying today that this message will do more than just give us a little nudge. I'm praying, God, it'll go deep inside of our heart and that every one of us will say, I'm going to start building an expectation in my heart of God to move, of God to bless, of God to increase, of God to strengthen, of God to give into my life. I'm going to say to all the things that have been a part of my life just because they were, you're only my past, you're not my future. You're things that have happened to me, but I'm going to happen differently to my future. So, Father, I pray you'll help us today in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Team, please come. Let's sing together that song, Worthy for a Minute. Then I'll come back in a minute and talk to you about saying yes to Jesus. That's for you to keep the pen and the bookmark. Enjoy that with our compliments. Be great.
about it a minute Jesus last prayer before the cross he said father thank you for what you've done in the lives of these people he said but I'm not just praying for them I'm praying for all of those that shall believe on my name through them 2,000 years there's been believers after believers missionary after missionary Christians living out their Christian life in front of others and countless thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people. The largest group of believing people on the earth is Christians. The fastest growing group of people on the earth is Christians. The people most expectant of God are the Christians that are saying God. And yet we all came from out of 11 people and out of one Saviour. And right before Jesus went to the cross, He had you on His mind. He's thinking about you. I'm praying for all of them that shall believe. Think about it. You're not an accident. You didn't get here. You didn't come to Jesus because you got raised in a Christian home. Oh, there's plenty of people did that and aren't walking with God. You got where you are because Jesus prayed for you all that way back. And I'm confident today that some of you that have never said yes to Christ, you didn't get into this building by accident. 
You never got online with us by accident. You got there because all those 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for you. He had you on His mind. You say, what have I got to do? Well, you say yes to Jesus. It's like this. Jesus, thank You for dying for me. Thank You for praying for me. I want You in my life. I'm saying yes to You. I want to live for You and live with You. Would You help me, Jesus? Come into my life. I'm saying yes to You. That simple prayer will change your life. If you've said yes to Christ today, either here in the building or online, why don't you let us know about it? We'd love to help you. Text YES to 488 if you're in Australia. If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get our help via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. We'll send you. Now, we had a computer glitch apparently, a tech glitch in the last week or two, whereby some of those uh, your details never came through to us. So if, if we didn't respond to you, I believe we've rectified it. But we're, we apologise. wasn't anything we did wrong. Just a tech thing that happened. But we'll make sure that we get that to you and that we help you. We'll send you a Bible verse and a prayer so that you can start living and walking a great life with God. In Jesus' Name. Can we give all those people saying yes? They do it every week. Every week. Come on, let's go out of here with this great song. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, worthy is your name. Come on. Worthy is your name. God bless.